as of yesterday, the ESO has now raised a CUSC mod um, to formally introduce LOAs. So that is CMP 427. Um, it's um, it's requested urgency, so it's a CUSC mod that could go through pretty quickly. There's a lot of universal support for this uh, within government as well as within Ofgem. Um, so expectation is that that, that CUSC mod will, will, will probably go through, but um, it's just initial proposal stage. Um, it, it came out yesterday. So it's possibly worth developers who are going to be putting in uh, transmission applications over the next 6-12 months. Maybe think about getting LOAs in place before this happens because you might that some of it could be retrospective perhaps. Hello and welcome to the Connectology podcast. Here, Road Knight Taylor's influential team of elite connection specialists and their expert guests help you to better understand distribution and transmission network connections and how to acquire them faster, for less cost and at lower risk. Hello and welcome to another one of Road Knight Taylor's Grid News and Views podcast. So welcome everyone. Uh, with me, Pete Aston, we've got Catherine Cleary, we've got Kyle Murchie and we've got Philip Bale. So welcome everyone. Hi Thanks Pete. Thanks for coming. Hi. And to introduce Kyle, Kyle, this is uh, your first Grid News and Views podcast. You've been with Road Knight Taylor for a grand total of four days. Um, almost. Almost four days. <laughs> uh, how's it going? How are you settling in? Yes, no, excellent. Thanks Pete. It's been uh Really great to to meet some of the to meet some of the clients and get up to speed on on the main projects we're working on. So, very brief uh, background: you've worked on with various transmission companies, generation companies, and distribution companies. Do you want to just say sort of very briefly where you've just come from and the sort of work you've been get, getting up to? Yeah, absolutely. So, I moved across from SCN Transmission uh, as one of their engineering managers, looking after some of the infrastructure projects in the in the north of Scotland. Super, thank you. Um, uh, I expect we've got other bios elsewhere if you want to go and look at what Kyle's been up to. Um, okay, so grid news and views, uh, as ever, plenty of things for us to look at. I'm going to go over to Catherine first. Catherine, I know you've got something on National Grid's two-step offer process. Yes, well, I thought it was worth pointing out. We've obviously been uh, in the process in England and Wales uh, where if you applied to National Grid ESA for a transmission offer um, of any kind, so you know, a, a direct connection, a Bella or a beggar or a actually not a Bella, uh, a, be a beggar or a project progression, um, you were getting a two-step offer. So you got a step one offer, which was very kind of light touch, um, and then a step two offer um, would follow. And that was to give and get um, the TO a bit of breathing space um, to do their their sort of CPA reassessment work. Um, so the main thing is that um, the ESO have confirmed that, you know, that, that they're on track for that process to end um, at the end of February next year, which was, was the original plan. Um, and so actually, as of the 27th of November, if you apply to National Grid now, you you will get a full offer. So you are no longer going to go through the two-step offer process. So effectively, the two-step offer process is now over for new applicants. Um, so people who have had their one-step offer um, should get their second step or their full offer um, by the end of February next year. And new new parties applying now should just get a normal offer. Do we have any idea how many two-step offers the ESA has to reissue by uh, end of February next year? I think we, so the rough stat was something like 25 gigawatts of offers that went out the door each month or each quarter, each month possibly, month, I think. I think it was that, was it yeah. in storage, wasn't it? And uh, most, yeah, for onshore collections mostly. So I think we are looking at something like approximately 200 gigawatts or so of offers that need to be caught up as a second step offer so that the eso is going to be pretty busy yes yes uh, exactly be very nice to your 
customer account manager next time you speak to them. Yes, because they are going to be very, very busy. So well done, ESA, for all the work you're doing on this. Um, and it's not been easy for you at all. Catherine, I know you had um, something else hot off the press uh, in terms of uh, letters of authority for transmission Yes, uh, and again, uh, this is probably something we've talked about lots before, but um, as of yesterday, the ESO has now raised a CUSC mod um, to formally introduce LOAs. So that is CMP427. Um, it's um, it's requested urgency, so it's a CUSC mod that could go through pretty quickly. There's a lot of universal support for this uh, within government as well as within Ofgem. Um, so expectation is that that, that CUSC mod will, will, will probably go through, but... Um, it's just initial proposal stage. Um, it, it came out yesterday, so worth having a look if you've got schemes which are either you know about you're about to apply um, or you've you've just applied, and that kind of LOA might apply to you. So, am I right in thinking this was part of the sort of connections reform? process that ESA were doing and then it was picked up in the government's connection action plan yeah exactly. so it's sort of part of all of that sort of reform that's just been fast-tracked or going to be fast-tracked exactly so 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 connections reform you know that kind of longer term plan um the connections reform group have already kind of come up with additional proposals so one of which is implementing an LOA and and the you're quite right that that connections action plan the, the sort of CAP paper um from um from Desnes was was really kind of clear you know we need the ESA to implement LOAs so they've kind of got pretty clear nod from government that this yeah. is what they're meant to be doing so it's possibly worth developers who are going to be putting in uh transmission applications over the next six 12 months maybe think about getting loas in place before this happens because you might that some of it could be retrospective perhaps well i mean i, I think to be honest that's probably been the advice for a while is you know you're not you don't want to be submitting applications at the moment without a clear understanding of you know who your potential land partners are and and, and those initial discussions with them so yeah absolutely better better sooner and safer okay kyle over to you um there's been progress on some of the sort of larger scale transmission reinforcement works, I believe. Yeah, that's right, uh, Pete. So just earlier in the week, um, the Eastern Green Link 1, so that's the, the first of, of four Eastern Green Links that have been identified. Um, this one is the HVDC cable from Torness in East Lothian down to uh, Hawthorne Pit in, in County Durham. It's a two gigawatt link. And they've just got to the point where they are awarding contracts. So £1.8 billion worth of contracts uh, has been awarded over the last few weeks. And they're now going to be kicking off construction sometime in 2024. That's where uh, where we are with that one. That's a joint venture between Scottish Power Transmission and NGT. So there'll be, there'll be converter stations uh, on, converter on the stations. shores of Scotland yeah. and England in close to Torness and Hawthorne Pit, respectively. Yeah. Um, am I right in thinking this is the shortest of the proposed Eastern HVDC links? It is, and one of the reasons why it's also the first to get to this phase. Um, at the moment, Eagle 2 is the next project that will kind of come along. So that's um, from kind of Peterhead coming in at uh, kind of Quebec sort of area. Um, and that is about a year behind, so it's due to start construction in 2025. And, and that's there are, really long. There are quite a lot of connections which have this as enabling works. So that, you know, it is, it's one of those things we always say, isn't it? But, you know, it is worth checking in on the project updates you know, from the TO's perspective as to see are those projects progressing according to, to programme. And presuming this will be a two-ended DC link, there's no opportunity for three-ended DC links, anything connecting directly into the HVDC cable, multi-ended HVDC link? 
You're always, you're always looking for the, you know, the, the solution, Philip. It's brilliant. I love it. I think you're, you, I mean, you're going to get a job offer from the HND follow-up exercise team at the moment. Um, there's quite an interaction between um, these eastern links and the the off the designs for um, some of the offshore wind farms, you know, which potentially, you know, we've already got coordinated designs which suggest offshore wind farms on the west coast could um, connect into one of the bootstraps. So, yeah, it's definitely something I think that's being considered. Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Carl. Uh, Carl, you've also got something around... Uh, pre-app calls at transmission so certainly for some time um, pre-app calls and certainly in England and Wales have been generic you haven't been able to get one Uh, it's just been sort of regional updates so I think you've got some info on what's going on in Scotland. So SSEN um, just this week have come out with a new form trying to simplify the process and make it a little bit easier to uh, to put in a request um, and I've spended that uh, a little while ago so both TOs in Scotland will now allow you to have a, a pre-application call again. There's a little bit of difference between the two at the moment in terms of when those will restart, um, but effectively, if you were to put an application in now, then by the time you would get a, an actual um, meeting in the diary, it's going to be kind of middle of, of uh, January, kind of is the earliest uh, that's expected. They're going to give an indication of between kind of two, three weeks for a, a pre-application meeting, and that would be with ESO as well. So, importantly, it's not just with the TO. The ESO would be also on those on those initial calls. This is really positive, you know, because you know it's re- regional update calls are okay, but you're never going to get anything meaty about your particular project. So, it's, it's quite. I think it's quite a good customer service thing, isn't it? That, that, that... yeah. They're trying to do. I know. I know. Um, uh, SP transmission were like, like you say, Kyle, sort of um, uh, plugging this a little bit um, at their connections um, summit last week, and and actually had asked for customer feedback as to whether perhaps customers wanted to move to more like a kind of webinars, which you didn't have to wait as long for, um, but which were much more generic. And actually, the feedback they got was no, don't change anything. <laughs> it's brilliant being able to have a co- a one to one call, you know, with you and and specifically with the the power systems engineers because both the Scottish TOs have some some very very experienced power systems engineers, you know, who really add a lot of value to those pre app calls. So it's uh, it's really good to see. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Very quick note on CMP two nine eight. So sorry for. All of those of you don't keep all the CMP numbers listed in your head. Uh, so this one is on the application of essentially the, the Appendix G process uh, into Cusk, which has been happening for is that a about long time. Six years time. running that one. Yeah. Longer. Well, it, <laughs> eight, I think. it set off as a trial in 2014, I believe. Yeah. Um, and there's been a trial ever since because it hasn't ever made it to Cusk yet. Maybe someone's keen to give it a 10th birthday. <laughs> yeah, um, so I think by the time it gets into Cusk, it might already be out of date. But who knows? Um, replaced by technical limits. Well, <laughs> or replaced by connections reform or something. Um, uh, it, it it is supposed to be approved by Ofgem at some point soon, but it seems to be always soon or always next week. So still not approved yet, as far as I'm aware. Um, so so watch this space. But theoretically, all the DNOs in England and Wales are already using this process it's not really a thing in scotland yet though okay and then uh moving on to more reform uh this time grid code reform gc117 so this is a reform that's maybe crept under the radar of of some people also has been going on for quite some time i believe um but basically it's the uh, harmonization of definitions of large power stations across the country so in england and wales at the moment large power stations start at 100 megawatts in uh, scottish power transmissions area they start 30 megawatts in 
SSE transmissions area in Scotland, it starts at 10 megawatts. So there is an idea to harmonise the definitions across the country, potentially bringing everything down to 10 megawatts as a large power station. And there's clearly no implications by doing this across anyone. No one's worried about this, are they, Catherine? I was absolutely, I couldn't believe it that um, I, I hadn't actually looked at the original proposal and uh, which uh, say, say when you when anyone raises a grid code uh, modification or a cash modification, um, there needs to be a kind of declaration of the impact. You know, so there are some mods which are really high impact. And I think this had no high impact users identified, which is, <laughs> I, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. You know, I would, I would say this is, you know, this is absolutely game changing for all generating connecting parties you know the eso um every, every everyone 10 megawatts and above needing to submit a beggar have tech you know in in england and wales that's that's huge yeah it's big uh philip i know you've uh maybe got a few thoughts on this philip's actually got the grid code open on his laptop I so would, i don't I know what you're gonna be quoting this, philip. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most bedtime reading on going on um so yeah i think it's it's obviously it's progressing i think as as you've said it's mainly under the radar um i've heard that there has been an ena letter to the working group basically highlighting some of their concerns mm. although we haven't seen it um in terms of coming through and i think ultimately we're quite concerned that it could have some quite significant impact and quite negative impacts on the industries um, understand that there are some benefits associated with harmonization i think the more this comes to light around what implications it could be the more vocal people may well be and i suspect probably this code mog might have a rocky sort of future in terms of until it gets properly clarified what the implications will be what the impact for users will be and ultimately what it's going to do to the um to any embedded generation schemes yeah so yeah i it's it's definitely still working its way through i, th- I think the the group that's looking at this is still very active and um, it hasn't gone to consultation i think that's so yeah. whilst this has been going on in the background that, that this is the reason probably that you know quite a few people haven't heard about this there hasn't been any kind of public consultation yet and I think that's going to be delayed as a result of the views that it might get some quite negative pushback from there. So therefore, there's no point in trying to bring something out to consultation that's automatically going to be hammered. And of course, there's so much going on at the moment as well in, in the, the connections reform space. You know, you, you have the ESO's connections reform process, the ENA and DNA trying to roll out technical limits. Yeah. You've, there's so much going on and this is just something else that's going to feed into all of those processes. And, and muddy and, those waters. And muddy you know, those waters. Because those processes yeah. already have, you know, quite clear, distinct boundaries potentially between, you know, are you a beggar or, or are you are you small or medium and embedded? Yeah. So, so we are expecting that sometime in uh, next year, 2024, there will be a consultation. We have no idea when. But uh, unless it gets kicked even further into the long grass, it, it's something to come out. And, and we would certainly recommend anyone who's got generation projects of 10 megawatts or above really, really wants to be looking at that as and when it comes out. Great. I'm sure we'll do a response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I, I think there's a, uh, a few more things to pick up on. Um, one very exciting thing to pick up on uh, that, as a company, we're very excited about is um, that the ENA has just... Uh, published their document um, called Rising to the Net Zero Challenge, uh, I think this week, p- picking up on some of the work that's happened this year, which is, you know, there's been a lot of progress this year, which has been great. Uh, and then picking up on new new activities to, to come in um, next year. And one of those things is 
um, picking up on uh, supercool transformer charging. Yay! Yay! <laughs> it's not something we've been banging on about for two years, is it? Um, I think I think Road Night Taylor even get a reference. You know, we do. Yeah. We get a reference in the ENA's report, which is very exciting. But I, I think you know, even more exciting is the fact that the industry's going to really start to look at this. So I think the ENA report said something along the lines of that there will be proposals brought forward by the middle of the year. Um, which will then result in, you know, code modification proposals. So I think probably Cusk would have to change. Um, maybe Decuza would have to change. So so there's all sorts of things. So it's it's not necessarily going to be implemented very quickly, e- even if something gets sort of, sort of approved in principle by the middle of the year. But I think I think this is really positive because ultimately it's been around for a while, but everyone's wanted to ignore it for such a while because it's been put on the this is too difficult pile, but eventually it had to come to the top of the list. And obviously, hopefully the letter has had that effect of going, this is something that's very detrimental. And I think ultimately we've been talking about it for a while in terms of what and where and how we think that could work. And um, so, yeah, hopefully there could be some level of consultation in terms of wider stakeholders to try and find something that's fair and equitable and in the best interest for the country. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's lots of nuances with it. You know, it's it's not just socializing everything is the right thing that that, there'll always be some nuances you know what how do you define differences between reinforcement works and network extension works and and all these sorts of things so it feels very much like you know the sorts of principles that in the access significant code review so i think the ena's document reference that sort of approach as well um so yeah be very interesting to see what comes out with that this year Uh, yeah on on other things kyle did you have any other things, I think you had a few more things on your list that you, you'd picked up on. Yeah, the only main one I think that's uh, kind of worth mentioning was just there's been a bit of work as well going on uh, in the net zero market reform, particularly over the last couple of months, um, kind of phase four getting to to kind of a, a conclusion. Um, and this is, I suppose, a bit more broadly around the actual change in the market and some of the incentives. But we were just talking there about... You know, potentially changes to to beggars, for example, and and the requirement for for those. For me, that's a bit broader because it's also looking at the market incentives. It's looking at some of the um, market mechanisms as well for for those in the kind of operational phase. But that will have a big impact on kind of early business cases. Talked about beggars earlier as well. There may be a, a link and implication there on how any changes there can link into to what's happening in the. The, the market reform space too. So it would just note that phase four has has kind of concluded um, and it came out with some kind of main recommendations. Nothing's happening immediately. Uh, it's all kind of longer term development, mainly between kind of 25 and, uh, 2025 and 2030. Um, but they are looking at uh, implementing enablers of flexibility quite quickly um, ahead of the, the wider wholesale market reform. Um, but that's kind of going to be between today and 2028. So the expectation is there'll be more information coming out, I think, uh, early in the new year around how that will, will actually work. And then more the wholesale market reform and the investment policy realignment. That's uh, like a little bit later. But yeah, just w- worth noting, I think we can maybe give a bit more information on that uh, in the kind of coming months when when it's published. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, are we still waiting for the Holistic Network Design follow-up exercise? And if so, when is it due out? Uh, yes, we're still waiting. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a date. <laughs> I just can't remember what it is. Oh. Uh, at some point, Q1 next year. 
Fantastic. Okay, it's Q on twenty twenty four. The design is complete. It's worth saying. Okay. Um, so, but um, but but it hasn't yet been been published. Yeah. So that will give some sort of indication as to the sort of more strategic reinforcements required for for the the offshore wind. Yes. Specifically. So it, it specifically looks at the offshore. Well, the onshore points of connection but what it doesn't look at is the onshore reinforcement piece so i think we sort of said it before but we're expecting a, a meshing together of the outcome of the hnd and the outcome of things like the transmission works review um to work out you know, what, what actually based on what we might build offshore in terms of bootstrap links and hvdc links and what we might build onshore how does that really and some impact? sort of new strategic centralized net central strategic network plan, plan? I don't yeah exactly what the yeah is. We, we, but, but i think but um we do have a bit of a team forming at the eso um so um, so i know that some of the hnd uh, team are, are moving over so um so yeah, it's, it's kind of mm. good to see yeah. some of the lessons learned going with that fantastic okay well i think that sort of wraps us up today for uh, another good News and views, apart from Philip's got, a, got last a burning minute. question. Yeah. I've got, got a burning a question. Exactly. This is the reason of going through grid codes and decodes and all of these fun codes. Um, more concern around what constitutes, even if you ignore the um, reviews that are going on at the moment between what should a large, medium and small power station be. At the current threshold, anything 100 megawatts or more is a large power station. But is that based on the install capacity? the export capacity, the export capacity minus reasonable losses, where I think most people expect it to currently to be. And the key reason why this is important is around customer limitation schemes, export limitation schemes, as they used to be known, where you've got medium-sized batteries, medium-sized solar, maybe wind in there, where without the customer limitation scheme, their export would be greater than 100 megawatts. With the customer limitation scheme, their export is often less than 100 megawatts. Some DNOs, who remain nameless at the moment, are currently stating that its installed capacity defines a large embedded power station, and even if the export is less than 100 megawatts, they're requiring customers to put in a beggar. Whereas other DNOs are saying it's based on the customer's export capacity and the concern that there might be some consolidation. Consolidation? There's a concern that at some point there could be some consolidation. (laughs) There's a concern at some point that this could all be brought together and at which point um, some people who are currently medium embedded power stations might suddenly find they need a beggar. Having well, already I mean, but, gone through project progression. Yeah, it's it's quite a kind of nitty gritty point, isn't it? And actually, although both of those terms are very widely used, you know, the, in terms of export capacity and install capacity, neither of those, we should probably point out, are grid code defined terms. Yes, um, registered grid, capacity. Grid code works on registered capacity, which is um, which is something else again. So, so yeah, I think that question of how you interpret that, the worded definition of registered capacity sort of a a power station's output at its grid entry point. Um, you know, as you say, is that my output taking into account my export limitation scheme or is it my, you know, maximum theoretical output? So I think obviously at that point, the key reason why we're concerned with this is how is it dealt with retrospectively? If you are along in a project progression, a mod app response, you get told you're sat in part four. If you then have to apply separately to National Grid ESO as a beggar, do you retain your previous position? Do you lose it entirely? All of these feel like massive unknowns. Oh, I think we, you know, maybe we cross that bridge when we get there. I think there's quite, there'd be quite a lot of uh, emphasis, I think, perhaps on on making sure that we're we're using the right definitions and things which are already included within grid code. 
Yes. I think the key thing for me is, though, that the fact that there is differences in existing DNOs and some of the DNOs believe that the others are going to have to join their party, which means it's going to be based on install capacity, not on registered. Or the registered capacity is based on the install capacity. Catherine's clearly got some very strong views that she's mouthing uh, from the other side of the desk. Uh, but perhaps and, and Kyle, on the other hand, is crying. But that's that's <laughs> yes. your coughing. So, um, yeah, um, I, I think we will draw it to a close here. Um, unless Philip's got anything else he wants to throw I'll, in again. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think, close in. I think it will be right. Christmas. <laughs> we, we, are, we are leaving it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening and putting up with us waffling and blabbering on. Uh, but we do hope you have a good Christmas and New Year, and uh, we will be back with more Grid News and Views in 2024. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Thank Pete. You. Thanks, all. Thank you for taking your precious time to listen to this episode. Now, not everyone is ready to have a connectologist in their life. For others, it's just too expensive. And as our team is so small, we do have to be very selective in what work we take on. And that's why we put so much effort into these shows. We want our society to have the equitable energy system it needs in order to decarbonise and to thrive. So we want to help to topple as many connections barriers as we possibly can, in spite of our size. So please do feel free to ping a link to this episode to anyone you know who might be interested, because it would mean so much to everyone here.